And we're going to commence reading verse 6 of Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4, verse 6. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and want of bread in all your places, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also I have withholden the rain from you, when there was yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew, when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palm would devour them, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses. And I have made to the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils, yet not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I've overthrown some of you, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I'll do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For lo, he that formeth the mountains, and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is in, the thought, in his thought, that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. <clears throat> Gracious Father, do thank you this night. We do thank you for your word. And I do pray that, Lord, tonight you would guide as we seek to come together to worship you and honor you through your word. Lord, I do pray that you would guide our time. May our attentiveness be turned towards you. May we learn from you and of you. And Lord, I pray that you give me wisdom as I preach tonight to have clarity of thought, to be able to clearly speak your word, Father God, to say that which you would have me to say. May word, Father God, have an impact upon us. May we not leave this place, Father, uh, having uh, simply just been together, but may we leave having known that we've been in your presence, having known that you've spoken to us through your word, and having known Father God, you've indeed had an impact upon us through your word. Change us by your word, we pray. And help, Father God, tonight as we look into your word. Give me wisdom, I pray, from on high, Lord. Use me, Father, to your glory, I pray, as a vessel for your service. And we surely give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amos the prophet has been commissioned by the Lord to preach a powerful message of judgment to God's people, the nation of Israel. Amos pointed out that Israel had sinned against privilege and against God's special calling in Amos chapter 1 through chapter 3. And then in Amos chapter 4, we're told that Israel sinned in that they failed to respond to great mercy. And the Lord here once again challenges the nation because of their wrong attitude. And attitudes are important, and you and I as believers, need to make sure that we work upon our attitude, to make sure our attitude and our service for the Lord is a right attitude. In Amos chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, God accused Israel of being selfish and hypocritical, which you saw last time. 
And that night in Amos chapter 4, verses 6 through 13, God accused Israel of being obstinate or inflexible and stubborn. Here we find a list of warnings which the nation Israel left unheeded. Five times the phrase, ye have not returned, is used in chapter 4, verse 6, verse 8, and verses 9 through 11. It says in verse 11 at the end of the verse there, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. They were so self-centered that when God chastened the nation of Israel, they missed the chastening. The people of Israel experienced God's disciplines, but they didn't submit to his will. And they continued practicing their hypocritical religion. God's covenant with Israel, God's covenant with the Jews clearly stated out that he would bless them that obeyed him and he would curse them that disobeyed him in Deuteronomy 27 to 29. God set before them life and death, sing and cursing. He urged them to choose life in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. Unfortunately, they spurned his love. They rejected his warnings and they chose death. God sent trials to the nation of Israel to send them to their knees, but instead it caused them to be stiff-necked and hard-hearted and inflexible, obstinate and stubborn. Consider with me some of these disciplines that God sent to Israel to bring his people back to himself tonight. And note what we can learn as we look at these five distinct judgments of God. First of all, in order to bring his people back to himself, God sent famine upon the nation. Verse 6. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Cleanness of teeth simply means that the people had no food to eat. And therefore their teeth didn't get dirty. There was no point cleaning your teeth because the teeth didn't get dirty because they had nothing to eat. There was famine in the land. They were hungry. They were without anything to put in their mouths and they, uh, their food did not dirty their teeth nor stick to their teeth because there wasn't enough of it. They also had empty stomachs. It says there in verse 6, and there was want of bread in all your places. This carries a similar idea to the idea of clean teeth, but it explains it further. The nation of Israel had nothing to eat because God had given them nothing to eat. God had restricted their food supply. Uh, God had not allowed them to have food. There was a famine in the land. God's covenant with Israel had promised them bumper crops if the people obeyed the Lord, but he had promised them famine if they disobeyed him. Go with me to Leviticus, please. Leviticus 26. Leviticus 26, verse 27. And if you will not fear for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I'll walk contrary unto you, also in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins, and shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall he eat, and I will destroy your high places, 
and cut down images and cast your carcasses on the carcass of the idols, and my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries under desolation, and I will not smell the savor of a sweet odors. The Lord says to them, go with me to Deuteronomy 28, please. Deuteronomy 28. Prince in verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall, be on, uh, shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field blessed shall the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of thy kind and the flocks and the sheep blessed shall be the basket and thy store blessed shall uh, thou be when thou comest in and blessed shall thou be when thou goest out the Lord shall cause thine enemies to ri that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face they shall come out against thee one by at one way and flee before these ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And the Lord shall establish thee in holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and in the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of the ground and the land and the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. God promised them that if they served him, he would bless them. He would give them abundance of crops. They would have plenty. But if they disobeyed him, he would curse them and they would be destroyed. And when farmers can't grow crops, food is scarce. And when food is scarce, prices go up. And when prices go up, people suffer, and ultimately some people die because they can't afford to buy the food. And you would think that the nation of Israel would be moved to confess their sins and return to their God, knowing what the Old Testament teaches them, knowing that they understand God's Word teaches them, that God will bless them, that uh, serve him and he'll curse them when they fail to serve him that God will give them abundance when they obey him and God will give them famine when they disobey him you would think the nation of Israel when they saw on their teeth were clean their stomachs were empty that they would understand that God was not pleased with them and God was judging them they would confess their sins and they return to their God but Israel did not turn for it says the end of verse 6 yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. This judgment had no influence upon them to bring them to a sense of their evils, particularly their idolatry. You know, each and every one of us as believers suffer from time famine in our souls. Each of us from time to time find that we have cleanness of our spiritual teeth, so to speak. You and I find that we don't have any spiritual bread to eat, that you and I find ourselves in a similar situation to Israel, spiritually rather than physically, but in a similar situation. 
And it's in those times, unlike Israel, that we need to turn to the Lord. You and I need to realize that when we're in the situation where there is a leanness of soul, when there is a cleanness of teeth, when there is empty spiritual stomachs, that you and I need the Lord more than ever then. That's not the time to walk away from Him. That's the time to run towards Him. Confess our sin. Seek His will. Yield ourselves unto Him. Because so often what happens when we find ourselves with leanness of souls and cleanness of spiritual teeth, so to speak, what we do is we fail to turn back to God and we simply just continue on. We need to turn to the Lord. God only brought famine to get their attention. We also brought drought. Look in verses 7 and 8. And also I have withholden the rain from you when there was yet three months for the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered from one under one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now instead of setting a general drought upon the whole of the nation, and over the entire kingdom, God had withheld rain from different cities at different times, different places at different times. And in so doing, God was proving to the nation of Israel that he was in control. That this drought over here was of God, and this plenteous over here was of God. And then when this one was in drought, and this city was in plenty, that it was all of God, that they could see the hand of God working. He didn't send a general drought, he sent localized droughts so they would understand that God was in charge here. God made it so they would know it was from his hand. And yet the message did not get through to them. You have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. You know, this remarkable demonstration of God's sovereign power should have reminded the Jews of what the covenant of God had said to them, what God had promised them in his covenant in the past. Go back to Leviticus again, please. Leviticus 28, 26. Leviticus 26 and verse 18. And if you are not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I'll punish you seven times more than your sins. And I'll break the pride of your power, and I'll make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. He told them that if they didn't obey him, he would make their ground like brass, that it was going to be dried up, and the heaven was going to be like, says they're like iron, there was going to be no water, it was going to be dried up. Deuteronomy chapter 11, please. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Verse 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and, the land, and that the land yield not her fruit and lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. We could read Deuteronomy 28 as well. 
But the point is that God had said, if you disobey me, if you turn to false gods, what I'll do is I'll send drought. And as they are looking at their land and they're seeing drought over here and they're seeing drought over here and they're seeing what God is doing, they should have been turned to him. They should have realized as a nation this was God king in their hearts, seeking to bring them back to them himself, but they paid no heed. The Lord sought to get their attention, but they would not listen. And this is one of the greatest tragedies of God's people. So often God simply came along, he chased them, he worked in them, sought to bring them back to himself, but so often they hardened their hearts and wouldn't listen. It's a great tragedy. But I wonder how often does God seek to get our attention when we don't listen? I wonder how often when we're reading God's word, God is going to get our attention, but we don't listen to him. Or we don't even take the time to read his word, therefore he can't even talk to us. Or we come to church and we're so distracted that God wants to speak to us, but we don't hear his voice and we're, we're, we don't pay attention to him. And he wants to get our attention, but we're not listening to him. And because of that, there becomes a leanness of our soul. There's a drought spiritually in our lives because God wants to speak to us. We're not listening to him. You know, anyone can stumble into sin and feel the correcting hand of God, but we're in far greater trouble. And God sends correction. We feel God's correction, and we still don't return to the Lord. Thirdly, the Lord said, not only famine and drought, but destruction of crops. Look in verse 9. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your garments and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palm oil devoured them. Yet have you not returned and said, the Lord. You know, because Israel would not listen to God and listen to his, his chastening hand, the chastisement grew more and more. It became heavier and heavier. The hand of the Lord became heavy upon them. The more they didn't listen to him, the more they refused him, the more they rejected him. The stern of the punishment, seeking to get their attention. It's like God is shouting louder and louder and louder at the nation of Israel, wanting them to listen to him. And even when God did allow them fruits and vineyards and vegetables, they weren't grateful. Says, yet ye have not returned to me, saith the Lord, in verse 9. So what he did, he destroyed the crops by sending blasting and mildew and locusts. The word blasting there is the word blight. And it's the work of the east wind that dries and scorches the grain prematurely so it turns uh, brown. The mildew is the product of the parasitic worms which turn pale the tips of the green grain and of course locusts we know what they are that he sends upon them upon the vineyards the palm worm the locusts to destroy them once again god was being true to his covenant warnings with israel go back with me to deuteronomy 28 please deuteronomy 28 Deuteronomy 28 and verse 38. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field, and thou shalt gather but little in. 
for the locusts shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them. Thou neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coast, but thou shalt not anoint thy oil, for thine oil shall cast his fruits. It's not as though the nation of Israel hadn't been warned. It's not as though the nation of Israel had no idea what was going on. It's not as though the nation of Israel sitting there in Jerusalem and sitting in, in their cities and have no idea why they're going through. God has warned them over and over and over again about if they disobey him, this consequence. And now all of these tragedies are befalling them because of their unwillingness to surrender to Almighty God, the famine, the drought, and now they destroy their crops. The nation of Israel should not have been surprised. God had warned and now he's acting. Now you and I need to understand that this is not a demonstration of God's anger, but this is a demonstration of God's love. God loves these people. He loves the nation of Israel. He is chasing them. He's seeking to bring them back to himself. This is not about God seeking to destroy them. This is about God seeking to get their attention. God is standing there like a father yelling out to the child, seeking to get the attention of the child who is about to uh, cause himself some serious injury and serious harm. And the dad is yelling out louder and louder and louder, seeking to get the child's attention and even coming and grabbing the child by the arm and pulling the child back from the brink, even though the child is stubbornly still trying to get away and still trying to be injured that's what's going on here God seeking to get the nation of Israel to listen to him and he starts the chastisement slow and he increases it incrementally so that he can use the smallest amount of discipline necessary to turn their hearts back to him God doesn't want to unnecessarily hurt them God doesn't want to unnecessarily judge them. God doesn't want to unnecessarily do harm to them. This is not about God seeking with pleasure to hurt them. This is about God seeking by a little bit of chastening and a bit more chastening and a bit more chastening to get their attention. So that he can bring them back to himself. And often God will send famine in our lives. He will withhold the rain of blessing. He'll cause a cold dampness of our hearts. He'll send trials and tribulation in our lives. And he does this to send us to our knees so that you and I might be brought back to God so that we might not go too far astray. And if we don't listen, he may well have to chase us the more. Hebrews 12 tells us we are sons, then we will be chastened of him because he loves us sons. And if we have not the chastening of the Lord, then we're not his children at all. Now when God is working in our lives, when God is causing, seeking to get our attention, beloved, we need to listen. We need to obey. We need to sit up and listen to what God's saying and say, Lord, what does he want to teach me? And we need to learn from him. To obey him. We need to heed the chase of the Lord. Israel didn't. And so God sent famine and drought and destruction of crops, but he also sent sickness. 
at the beginning of verse 10, I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. You know, one of God's promises to his people was that they would never experience the dreadful diseases that they saw in Egypt if they were faithful to obey his law. Go back with me to Exodus 15, please. Exodus 15. Exodus 15 and verse 26. And said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which are brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. God promised the nation of Israel that if they obeyed him, they would experience none of these diseases. None of the pestilences, none of the things that God brought upon Egypt, but in that last night where the firstborn died, God promises them that would never come upon them if they obeyed him and obeyed his law. But if they rebelled against him, they would suffer all of these diseases of Egypt. Go with me to Deuteronomy, please, 28. Deuteronomy 28. And verse 21. Deuteronomy 28, verse 21. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land where thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with the consumption and with a fever and with the inflammation and with the, an extreme burning and with the sword and with blast and with the mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Drop down to verse 27. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab. Emeralds, sorry. And the scab and with the itch, which is whereof thou canst not be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and with blindness and with astonishment of heart. And thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind grope within darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. And thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. Verse 35 in the same chapter. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot under the top of thy head. God promises them that if they will obey him, he will not allow any of the diseases None of the diseases will come upon them. But if they disobey him, then they will suffer all manner of disease. And that's what's happening here in Amos chapter 4 and verse 10a. It says, I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. You're suffering all these diseases because you disobeyed me. That which beset the nation of Egypt, that which beset them on that night in which you were delivered from Egypt, where the firstborn of Egypt died, all of those diseases, including that one, will beset you and are besetting you because you will not listen to me. And as with the other disciplines, God kept his word. Now today there is no way that you and I can link sickness to sin. So don't get me wrong. 
Sickness is not caused by sin, except the sin of Adam. Okay? If it wasn't for Adam and Eve sinning in the Garden of Eden, there would be no disease. But there is disease today because of the sin of Adam and Eve, but not because of individual sin. People are not just sick because they sin. I'm not saying that. But you know, when we sin, we do have a sickness of soul. When you and I sin against Almighty God, then we are spiritually sick. When we're at a fellowship with the Lord and fail to confess our sins, then you and I are indeed spiritually sick. You and I are experiencing a sickness of the soul that needs to be dealt with. And when you and I get to the place where we are, we are so sick in our souls, the only solution for that is for the great physician to come and to heal us. And the only way we get healing is when you and I confess our sins before a holy God. Therefore, you and I need to keep short accounts with God so we don't allow the sickness in our souls. The nation of Israel wouldn't listen, so he sent famine and drought. The crops failed. He sent sickness. He also allowed them to be defeated in war, verse 10b. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses and have made the stink of your camps to come up under your nostrils, yet have you not returned to me, saith the Lord. In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 7, the Lord said this, The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, to be smitten before thy face. They shall come against thee one way, and flee before thee seven ways. God promised the nation of Israel that if they were serving him, if they were living for him, that every time an enemy came up against them, they would come up one way, but they would flee seven ways. They would run away. That they had nothing to fear of the enemies around about them if they served him, if they put him first, if they honored him, every enemy that came against them, they would, they would flee away. What a promise for a small nation surrounded by great empires that God would deliver them from their enemies, for the promise would be fulfilled only if the people faithfully obeyed the Lord. If they disobeyed, they would be humiliated, defeated before their enemies. Go back to Leviticus, please. Leviticus chapter 26. And verse 32, Leviticus 26 and verse 2. And I'll bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which shall dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I'll scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths as long as it lieth desolate, and ye be in your enemies' land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when you dwelt therein. Uh, verse 36. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a, fa a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies, 
the sand of a, of a shaken leaf shall chase them, and they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth, and they shall fall upon, uh, one upon another, and it will be before the sword when none pursueth, and ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. God had promised them that when they obeyed him, he would give them victory over all their enemies. But if they disobeyed him, they would be humiliated, they would defeat him. In fact, he says, you're going to be so humiliated that if a leaf rustles, you're going to run away fearing the enemy is coming, even when there's no enemy. You're going to run from shadows. You're going to be so fearful if you obey me that you will run from all these enemies, even though there's no enemy coming. So terrible would their defeat be that the dead bodies in the camps would not be given a decent burial. That's verse 10 of Amos chapter 4, where it says uh, that uh, I have made the stink of your camps to come up under your nostrils. There would be such devastation and such defeat, such destruction, that the bodies in the camps would not be given a decent burial, but they would lie there and rot, they would stink. God kept his promise. In 722 BC, the Assyrians came down from the north and they overconquered Israel, the northern kingdom, and they took captive people and they killed many of them and led them away and they dispersed them. In 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar came from Babylon across to the southern kingdom of Judah and overthrew them. With the final defeat in 587 BC, where he finally destroyed the walls and burnt the gates and led cap the rest, uh, many of, more of them, in just a remnant in Jerusalem. God kept his word. Because they would not obey him, God sent an enemy against them. And once again, you and I don't have literal armies coming against us. When you and I are not walking with the Lord, we're not looking down the road for the Assyrians to come and the Babylonians to come or any other nation to come. You and I, when we're walking out of fellowship with God, are not fighting a physical enemy. But when you and I are not walking with the Lord, then we open ourselves up to our own enemy, the devil. First Peter tells us in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that he's like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. You and I have a very real, very present enemy, and that enemy is not other than the devil himself, and he's seeking to devour you and I, seeking to destroy you and I. And when you and I are not walking with the Lord, you and I lay aside our spiritual armor, and when we lay aside our armor, we're vulnerable to the attack of the devil. God gave us, gave us Ephesians chapter 6 to tell us that what we need to do is we need to put on the whole armor of God. so we might stand against the wiles of the devil and having done all to stand. You and I daily need to make sure that we're walking in the right relationship with the Lord, that our hearts are, are right before Almighty God so that you and I are equipped in the armor of the Lord that you and I might be able to stand against our enemy because the moment you and I are walking out of fellowship, we lay aside that armor and you and I are vulnerable to the enemy who would seek to destroy us and devour us. 
must put on the whole armour of God by walking in his will. The nation of Israel didn't obey and so they were defeated in war. Sixthly, they, God said, because you won't listen to me, I'll send catastrophe. Verse 11, I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now we're not sure what this calamity was here that he talks about. I've overthrown some of you. Perhaps it was an earthquake, as he mentioned in Amos chapter 1, verse 1. Or may it have been the devastating invasion of an army in 2 Kings 10 and 2 Kings 13. But whatever it was, it was something so terrible, the Lord compared it to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which took place in Genesis chapter 19, verses 24 and 25. You know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. As Lot flees the city, God sends down fire and brimstone from heaven and destroys the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And here God says that in this passage, I've overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't know what it was that God did to the nation of Israel, but God sent such judgment upon them. He compares it to that of Sodom and Gomorrah, and yet they did not believe. They did not turn. They did not yield. And so he gives this image. Yet ye were as a firebrand plucked from the burning. The image is that of a stick pulled out of the fire. I suggest that the Lord intervened to save them just the last minute as this destruction, this devastation has happened to them, as they're being overthrown by whatever the catastrophe is that's like Sodom and Gomorrah. God reaches down and he pulls them as sticks out of the fire before they're consumed. Brands from the burning had been burned but not consumed. Even though God had spared them, even though God had delivered them, even though he'd taken them out of the fire before they were consumed, they did not respond in gratitude to God. They did not return on the Lord. They did not seek his face. For it says at the end of verse 11, Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. They in gratitude, their hearts of hearts, so wicked. Beloved, we too have been delivered by God and spared from sin. You and I are brands plucked from the burning. You and I were lost and dying on our way to hell. You and I deserve to spend eternity separated from a holy God in the fires of eternal punishment. And you and I are brands plucked from the burning. We were saved from the fire. We were not consumed because God sent his son to die for us. But how often do we show our ingratitude to God by just simply disobeying him, doing our own will, doing our own thing, instead of yielding to him? We're brands plucked from the burning, from the fires of hell. And yet we show our ingratitude so often to God by our disobedience. And then lastly, he speaks of ultimate judgment in verses 12 and 13. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I'll do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. 
For lo, he that formeth the mountains and created the wind and declareth unto man what is in his thoughts, that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. The kingdom of Israel experienced famine, drought, blight, plagues, wars, devastating catastrophes as God tries to speak to his people and get their attention. He desired to bring them back to repentance. But no matter what he did, no matter what discipline God sent their way, they would not return. What more could he do? How could he get their attention? What more could he do? He could come with himself and deal with them, and that's exactly what he says. He says in the verse 12, Prepare to meet thy God. Because of this, because you wouldn't listen to me, because you wouldn't heed my voice, because you wouldn't bend your knee before me, because you wouldn't bend your heart before me, because of this, Israel, prepare to meet your God. Now this is not a call to repentance. This announcement is too late. The judgment is about to fall. In Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, what we have is the final warning. The Lord of hosts, as he says at the end of verse 13, the, Lord, the God of hosts is his name, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of armies himself would come and destroy the Assyrians. Hordes were going to take the people away like cattle being led to the slaughter. As verse 2 told us about in Amos chapter 4, and the Lord God has sworn by his holiness that, lo, the day shall come upon the, you and shall take you away with hooks, your posterity with fish hooks. They were going to be taken away captive. God himself was going to come and the Assyrians were going to lead them away because they wouldn't bend the knee. Ambus concludes this message with a doxology of praise in a sense in verse 13. It says, For lo, he that formed the mountains and created the wind and declareth unto man what is his, is his thoughts, that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places, the, the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts is his name. He praises God. In chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, he does similar. It says, Seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion, and turneth the shadow of death in the morning, and maketh the dark, day dark with night, and calleth the waters of the sea, and poureth upon them uh, the face of the earth. The Lord is his name, that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong, so that his spoiled hath come against the fortress. Praise his God. That's the exology. He reminds us that our God is the creator. He can do anything, including making the earth out of nothing. He can turn the dawn into darkness. He can tread upon the mountains and nobody can hinder him. He is also the omniscient God who knows everything that we're thinking. There's nothing that we can hide from him. He's the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, the God of heaven and earth. It's the God who's coming to judge his people. And they were not prepared. It's the same God we serve. And I wonder, are we any more prepared today to meet our God than they were? 
You know, often God will send famine in their lives, withhold rain and blessing, cause cold death of the heart, and send trials and tribulation in lives to send us to our knees to bring us back to Himself. So often we simply just become bitter and angry with God instead of turning to Him. God is long suffering and will patiently call us back to Himself. Beloved, we need to admit our sin, confess our sin, and live for the Lord. Because we need to be careful not to harden our hearts and live for self. We need to heed the leading and the chastening of the Lord. Because that's the only place of blessing. Israel didn't, and look at the consequence. This was written for our learning, for our understanding. Let's seek to yield to him. God loves us. And when, we, when he seeks to get our attention, you and I need to sit up, listen, and obey. That we might receive his blessings and not his chastening as we serve him as his children. Let's pray.